No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where Isaiah prophecies against Moab, Syria, and Israel, which would soon be invaded by the Assyrians. But he also looks forward to end times. We hope you join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Isaiah chapter 16 on Simply the Bible. Isaiah continues his prophecies against the nations around Judah. He now focuses his spotlight on Moab. Moab was located east of the Jordan River and east of the Dead Sea. It corresponds to modern Jordan, and it is thought that Isaiah wrote this in 704 BC, three years before the Assyrian invasion. Isaiah chapter 16, send the lamb to the ruler of the land from Selah to the wilderness, to the mount of the daughter of Zion, for it shall be as a wandering bird thrown out of the nest. So shall be the daughters of Moab at the fords of Arnon. Take counsel, execute judgment, make your shadow like the night in the middle of the day. Hide the outcast, do not betray him who escapes. Let my outcast dwell with you, O Moab. Be a shelter to them from the face of the spoiler, for the extortioner is at an end. Devastation ceases. The oppressors are consumed out of the land. Now, Moab had often brought tribute to Judah, and here it says to send the lamb to the ruler of the land. And so the idea here is that Moab would bring their tribute from Selah. Selah is the rock or the rock city of Petra. And so the idea here is that Moab would be appealing to Judah to find refuge there. And the daughters of Moab would come to the Arnon, which was a wadi running into the east side of the Dead Sea opposite En Gedi. And this would be the way they would flee, seeking refuge from the Assyrians. Now, it is interesting because it can be translated two ways. Let my outcasts dwell with you, O Moab, or let the outcasts of Moab stay with you. So either Moab was providing shelter or else they would be seeking shelter in Judah. Now, most scholars seem to think it's the latter, that they were seeking shelter shelter in Judah from the Assyrian invasion, and it certainly could be that. But there are also scholars that see that God is calling the Moabites to provide shelter for his people, the people of Jerusalem. And they are looking forward to the future when the inhabitants of Jerusalem will flee to the mountains because of the Antichrist. You'll recall that in Matthew chapter 24, the disciples asked Jesus what would be the sign of his coming, and he talked to them about the signs to look for. But he said, when you see the abomination that causes desolation as spoken of by the prophet Daniel, that is where the Antichrist will set up his image in the rebuilt temple and demand to be worshipped as God. And Jesus said at that point, when you see that, then flee to the mountains, get out. And there are those scholars that believe that when they go to the mountains, they will be going to this rock city of Petra. And that God is really telling Moab or modern day Jordan to make room for his people. 
Honestly, I don't know which interpretation is correct. Maybe they both are correct. Maybe there was the near-term fulfillment and then the long-term fulfillment. Verse 5. In mercy, the throne will be established and one will sit on it in truth in the tabernacle of David, judging and seeking justice and hastening righteousness. Now, in support of the future interpretation, this does seem to refer to the Messiah, one who will sit on the throne of David in truth, judging and seeking justice and hastening righteousness. Who else could that be but Jesus Christ? And so then God would be telling them that he will be merciful to Moab if they shelter his people, for the Antichrist will be defeated. They don't need to be afraid of him because Jesus Christ will reign in Jerusalem. Again, that's just one interpretation. We may just have to wait to find out, but I really don't expect to be here to see this. I think I will be raptured by that point. Verse 6, we have heard of the pride of Moab. He is very proud of his haughtiness and his pride and his wrath, but his lies shall not be so. Therefore, Moab shall wail for Moab. Everyone shall wail for the foundations of Kerhereseth. You shall mourn. Surely they are stricken. For the fields of Heshbon languish, and the vine of Sibma. The lords of the nations have broken down its choice plants, which have reached Jazer and wandered through the wilderness. Her branches are stretched out, they are gone over the sea. Now, God would allow the Assyrians to invade because of the pride of Moab. Isaiah said that he is very proud, and he would make idle boasts that were lies. And so Moab would wail for Moab. They were going to go through a great mourning because the fields, the vineyards, and the choice plants would all be ruined. Verse 9, Therefore I will bewail the vine of Sima with the weeping of Jazer. I will drench you with my tears, O Heshbon and Elah Elah. For battle cries have fallen over your summer fruits and your harvest. Gladness is taken away and joy from the plentiful field. In the vineyards there will be no singing, nor will there be shouting. No treaders will tread out wine in the presses. I have made their shouting cease. Therefore my heart shall resound like a harp for Moab, and my inner being for Kerhereseth. And it shall come to pass, when it is seen that Moab is weary on the high place, that he will come to his sanctuary to pray, but he will not prevail. So even God would mourn over the terrible destruction of Moab, even though he was responsible for it. According to Ezekiel 33, God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. It grieves his heart to see the destruction of the people that he loves. Verse 13, this is the word which the Lord has spoken concerning Moab since that time. But now the Lord has spoken, saying, Within three years, as the years of a hired man, the glory of Moab will be despised with all that great multitude, and the remnant will be very small and feeble. So this judgment would occur within three years. And indeed, the Assyrians did invade Moab three years later in 701 B.C. Chapter 17, the burden against Damascus. Behold, Damascus will cease from being a city and it will be a ruinous heap. 
The cities of Aurora are forsaken. They will be for flocks which lie down, and no one will make them afraid. The fortress also will cease from Ephraim, the kingdom from Damascus, and the remnant of Syria. They will be as the glory of the children of Israel, says the Lord of hosts. Now, Syria, which is also called Aram, and the northern kingdom of Israel had joined forces against the southern kingdom of Judah. Damascus was one of the oldest cities of the world, but it would cease to be a city after the Assyrian invasion. It would also no longer be the support that it had been to Ephraim. Now, Israel had made an unholy alliance with Syria, and therefore they would share in Syria's judgment. Both the glory of Damascus and Israel would be spoiled. Now we see that Isaiah prophesies against Israel. And it's interesting because he's really taking on both of them as one. Of course, they had made this alliance and now they were going to share in the judgment. In that day, it shall come to pass that the glory of Jacob will wane and the fatness of his flesh grow lean. It shall be as when the harvester gathers the grain and reaps the heads with his arm. It shall be as he who gathers heads of grain in the valley of Rephaim. Yet gleaning grapes will be left in it, like the shaking of an olive tree, two or three olives at the top of the uppermost bough, four or five in its most fruitful branches, says the Lord God of Israel." Now, Isaiah gives several images to show the total devastation that would come to Israel. Jacob's glory would wane. He would pine away. The harvesters would gather a stalk of grain in one arm and thrust the sickle with the other. The harvest is the symbol of judgment here. And when they harvested, they were to leave some grain or fruit behind for the poor of the land to glean. They would beat the olive tree to shake the olives from its branches Israel would be like an olive tree with two or three olives at the top and four or five olives on the most fruitful branches. In other words, the majority of the people of Israel would be harvested and taken captive while relatively few would be left behind. Verse 7, In that day a man will look to his maker and his eyes will have respect for the Holy One of Israel. He will not look to the altars, the work of his hands, He will not respect what his fingers have made, nor the wooden images, nor the incense altars. Now, from the time of their first king, Jeroboam, the northern kingdom of Israel had been enamored with their golden calves. Later, they turned to Baal and the Asherah poles. But in the devastation, they would abandon the work of their own hands and look to their maker, the Lord, Yahweh. Their eyes would have respect for the Holy One of Israel. It's tragic that it often takes devastation before people will turn from their idols and seek the Lord. And I just wonder how many more things need to go wrong before people in our nation forsake their idols of pleasure and money and power and their own understanding and intellect in order to seek the Lord. In that day, his strong cities will be as a forsaken bough and an uppermost branch which they left because of the children of Israel, and there will be desolation. Their strong cities would become ghost towns, forsaken like the uppermost branch of an olive tree. All would be desolate. 
because you have forgotten the God of your salvation and have not been mindful of the rock of your stronghold. Therefore, you will plant pleasant plants and set out foreign seedlings. In the day, you will make your plant to grow. And in the morning, you will make your seed to flourish. But the harvest will be a heap of ruins in the day of grief and desperate sorrow. So total desolation would come. Woe to the multitude of many people who make a noise like the roar of the seas and to the rushing of nations that make a rushing like the rushing of mighty waters. The nations will rush like the rushing of many waters, but God will rebuke them and they will flee far away and be chased like the chaff of the mountains before the wind, like a rolling thing before the whirlwind. Then behold, at eventide, trouble. And before the morning, he is no more. This is the portion of those who plunder us and the lot of those who rob us. And so Isaiah here is speaking of the Assyrian invasion after God used Assyria to discipline the nations. Then God would turn and judge them for their pride. And in one night, one angel of the Lord would slay 185,000 Assyrian troops. They would then become like chaff on the mountains before the wind. And where is Assyria today? How formidable are the Assyrians? They are off the map. And that is why we should all make the Lord the rock of our salvation and trust in Him. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. That's calvarytv.org. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our podcast on iTunes or Spotify. Tomorrow we will go back to 1 Kings and see where an old prophet deceives the man of God who prophesied against King Jeroboam. It's a painful story about what can happen if we listen to people rather than God. We hope you'll join us as we continue teaching God's Word on Simply the Bible.